You are now listening to Nerd Mode with Space Buck Chuck. This is episode 35, Next Stop Oasis, where I talk anything and everything about the book and upcoming movie Ready Player One by Ernest Cline. So put on your VR goggles, your haptic-censored gloves, step into your rig, and get ready. Next Stop Oasis. Good evening, gentlemen. We've got a great night in store for you. I see a lot of new faces out there, as well as some familiar ones, so I'm not going to yammer on too long. I want you all to sit back, enjoy the service, the scenery, but most of all, enjoy the show. Hit it. Are you sure you want to do this? I know people do it in movies all the time, but there are bound to be real-world consequences. Kind of a nerd. It's cool, I'm taking it back. Everyone else is growing and changing all the time, and that's not really my jam. I'm more of a fast blinking, stoic, removed, uncomfortably self aware type. being extremely clever up here and there's no one to stand around looking impressed. What's the point in having you all? Okay, so 10 out of 10 for style, but minus several million for good thinking. Show's gonna last three weeks! Six seasons and a movie! Okay, uh, welcome back everybody and um, sorry again, it took so long to get a new episode out. Life has been a little hectic since I last recorded. Um... I'm trying to think of things I could discuss to explain why I've been gone for so long. Um, one, again, it's been tough getting into the studio to record. Family life has been very, very busy lately. Um, all good things, of course, just busy. Um, the biggest news I can start off uh, from my personal life is Stephanie, who was in my Walking Dead episode with me oh so long ago, Uh agreed to uh get engaged with me so that's the biggest news there um another time i'll tell you the whole story about how the engagement went down it was wild nothing too crazy but just a lot of up and down again all good just time constraints um so that's the biggest news that's where a lot of my efforts have gone these last couple months um and on that note as well uh, the Nerd Mode family has gotten bigger. Instead of just a solo endeavor, it is becoming more of a no longer singer, single player. It's becoming a, a whole MMO at this point. Um, so I'd like to welcome Stephanie to the, gr- the group. Uh, friends of the show Wesley and Jose have also agreed to uh, start to partake in the online presence of Nerd Mode. And eventually I will have them both on, on an episode or two or 20 or 100 um, so the family's gotten a little bigger. So at current time, it's me, my sister Angie, or Ditsy B, Wesley, Jose, Steph, Jeff, who was supposed to be on this episode today, but we had some scheduling uh, scheduling issues. And then when it came time to record, just wasn't able to happen. So Sunday morning, now I am doing a solo episode. Um, and then Devin, who... On a very part-time basis, because he has his entire podcast network building around him. So he's a busy fella. Um, 
so yes, thank you for everybody that's contributing, joining Nerd Mode. Um, and this episode alone, I have got a lot of feedback from people, so I'm really excited about that. Um, as I mentioned before, this is Nerd Mode from nerdmode.com, nerd-mode.com. Um, if you'd like to give me a thumbs up, a star, whatever, however you're listening to the show, give me a rating. That would be cool. If you'd like to email the show, you can contact me at nerdmode42 at gmail.com or on Twitter and Instagram under Nerd Mode. Um, there's also a Facebook page, uh, a fan group, all that kind of stuff. Um, they can all be found with very convenient links at nerdmode.com. Again, that's nerd-mode.com. Um, this episode is going to be all about Ready Player One. I've mentioned it on the show in the past. Um, a book I have now read twice and listened to on audiobook as well. By It's by Ernest Klein, who I have known of from, oh gosh, probably about 10, 15 years now. Uh, I originally found out about Ernest Klein's spoken word rants he would do through this website, ebombsworld.com. It used to be a big comedy website way back in the day. I don't know if they really have that going anymore. Um, it was one called Dance Monkeys Dance, and it basically just talked about how humans as a whole are just smart but silly monkeys. Bit aggressive and negative, but still makes some amazing points. And then I listened to um, when I was a kid and Nerd Porn Artur and Sky Wolf and a whole whole litany of amazing pop culture culture filled um, references. These amazing spoken word. Um, and then I got a hold of the book through Loot Crate, LootCrate.com. Um, one of my first crates I got had this book in it, and I. Ready Player One, and I was looking, I'm like, what is, wait, Ernest Klein and I freaked out. I tore through this book so fast. Um, the premise is, I'm going I'm to explain the premise, and then I'm going to go into the, uh, the list that I have from everybody of the gear they would have if they were in Oasis. And then after that, I will talk about thoughts and casting and things like that for the book. I don't want to do that first because anybody listening that hasn't read this amazing, awesome, fun book uh, will end up getting spoilers. So I'm going to do my best to avoid that. Um, but basically, there's a, a gentleman named James Halliday who was a video game programmer in the 80s, um, created games like RPG-based games, D Dungeons & Dragons-based games, um, eventually creates this world called Oasis, which is basically like the Matrix, only you can plug in and out whenever you want. Um, if you die in Oasis, you don't die in real life. It's basically if they took The Sims and built the entire internet around that. I mean, the Oasis becomes the internet. Anything you need on the internet is in Oasis. Um, every movie, every story, every book, um, every TV show, every song... Every piece of art is readily available for you through the Oasis. Um, it becomes basically society as a whole lives in this internet world because the world outside is falling apart. It's, uh, resources are running out, overpopulation, um, political strife, war, you name it, um, has taken over the real world. So people are retreating into the Oasis. Um, people go to school there. They work there. Um, they entertain there. They go on quests. I mean, you could go from your school, have your classes. When bell rings, you could go and start dungeon crawling and fighting dragons or have space battles um, and spaceships. It's this amazingly brilliant full world 
um, that I have been obsessing about since I got my hands on the book. And then I felt bad because the book has actually been out for a couple years and I had no clue about it. Um, so I'm going to try and make up for last time there. And just any of my listeners, if you can, go out and read this book. Because um, it's just so full of just growing up pop culture reference, video games, movies, TV shows, music, all that. It's just it's full. Just about every single page. Um, so the first premise, this technically is a 5x5 five five episode because um, I basically asked about five or six people what gear they would want. And when I say gear, it's not just like, oh, I'd want to have a sword. You could have any weapon from anything all the way from the Elder Wand from Harry Potter to Doctor Who's Sonic Screwdriver to um, guns from Doom, uh, Star Wars, Star Trek, lightsabers, you name it. You could have whatever you'd want. Um, so I asked what weapon they'd want, what vehicle, like driving around on a, on a... This was mostly within the confines of a planet or world. Um, so it'd be like a car, boat, you name it. Um, what spaceship, and of course that would be more out out of the atmosphere. Uh, what planet and or base would you want? Um, again, anything they could dream up, they could have. Um, so it ended up being a really fun discussion. Uh, got a lot of really cool ideas and realized how quickly the world of Oasis would turn into this big, giant, almost, I don't even know if I could use the word festive, just a visual landscape of all these references from um, from movies, TVs, books. Um, so that was a really fun, fun discussion. I talked to a couple guys at work. Uh, hey, Jason and Tyler, um, about options they'd have, but we never really wrote them down. Jason had a pretty, pretty unique idea for a weapon, or an, I'm sorry, not a weapon, a vehicle. Um, so that's basically the 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 bulk of this episode is going to be that, um, and then I'm gonna read uh, from Clint and Jamie's thoughts on the book a little bit from Jeff a little bit from myself um, worries we have about the movie things we're excited about the movie I'm going to say right now I'm more excited about the Ready Player One book or movie than I am the next Star Wars film I'm saying that right here right now 100% and I love Star Wars but I'm just I am super excited about this Um, so let's get to that first Um, and then again anybody listening if you get ideas of what you would want your avatar gear to be and what you also what you'd want your avatar to look like um send me an email nerdmode42 at gmail.com it's really fun to just kind of brainstorm and think about what what you would like to have as your gear um first before i dive into that part um my sister has a thing we're just going to call it the whiteboard where at work she'll ask people a random pop culture question, favorite movie, favorite book, things like that. Um, and today, or this last week, she asked, what would be your favorite science fiction vehicle? So I'm going to rattle those off pretty soon. And those are going to be available on the website once we get that all set up. Um so there's a few. Um, the Magic School Bus. 
Elliot's bike from E.T. I'm assuming it's going to be able to fly without E.T. Um, the DeLorean from Halo. Uh, Starship Serenity. Warthog from Halo. Or DeLorean from Back to the Future. I'm sorry. Reading this via text, it's all over the place. Somebody else had my idea. Luckily, I didn't go with this one. The Pizza Shooting Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Van. Battle Cat from He-Man. Ecto-1. Al Bundy's 72 Dodge Eagle, I believe it was. Um, the Eagle 5? Oh, no. Al Bundy's 72 Dodge. The Eagle 5, I believe that's from my one of my favorite movies, Spaceballs. The Batmobile. Millennium Falcon. X-Wing Fighter. Mystery Machine from Scooby-Doo. Uh, Reptar from Rugrats. That's very unique. Um, the Dragons from Game of Thrones. Some he wrote down Free Willy. Eh. Um, Bumblebee from Transfires. Iron Man or War Machines uh, armor. The Submarine Car from James Bond. And that's actually a real thing. Did you know that? That that's actually a real car? It's no, no CG. Of course, it was in the 70s, so there really wasn't much CG then. Um, Aladdin's Magic Carpet. Uh, the Nimbus 2001 or Firebolt from Harry Potter. The Planet Express, Express Spaceship from uh, Futurama. Ghost Rider's Bike. The Hoverboard Slash Chair. I don't know about a hover chair. I'm not, I'm not familiar with that. I know, of course, what the hoverboard is. Uh, the Death Star. Unicorn Flying Things from Avatar. A Griffin or a Hippogriff. <laughs> Um, so that's just just vehicles, um, just to show you how varied the choices are. If you wanted to have a um, literally anything you wanted, um, of course, in the book you have to pay for these things with online credit. Um, basically, the money system, you know, as we know it, you know, paper money, is kind of worthless. Everything is credits in the Oasis world, um, so it really took over. Um, and ultimately, the people try to level up like you would in World of Warcraft, um, the Rested Soul City Heroes, um, Destiny, any of those online MMOs. And they would buy gear for their characters, and it would be gears from stuff you would have, like a, a flaming sword or a lightsaber. And then on the other hand, you could have like a blunderbuss weapon or a laser gun or a Star Trek tricorder, you name it. I mean, the characters... We're never just like, that one's a thief, that one's a warlock, this one's a, a marine. They would have anything on them that they'd want. Um, but the... Okay, I'll get into the, the premise of the book more as I talk about the Cassian. So right now we'll go over the Avatar gear that people would want. Um, I will start with Jose, new to the, new the, to the uh, podcast. His vehicle of choice would be the DeLorean from Back to the Future, which I think is awesome. Hopefully he'd choose from Back to the Future 2 so it can fly. Um, his spaceship uh, is a Valkyrie from Macross slash Robotech. Uh, has three modes, Fighter for Space, Jurawak, which I didn't realize meant Ground Effective Reinforcement of Winged Armament with Locomotive Knee Joint. Whew, for land. And bat Batroid mode. Um, I'm not too familiar with anime so much. Um, I know what those those mechs are and stuff, but just beyond visual. Um, for a base, he'd want a mobile space battleship like Great Yamato or SDF-1, where civilians and military can live on it as well. Um, 
And then his avatar, I'm assuming, he didn't say right out, would be Superman. Because Jose loves Superman. Um, so again, first person, this huge mix of totally different styles. Um, the idea of Superman running uh, a Valkyrie from Macross would be kind of awesome to see. Um, Wesley went a slightly different route for vehicle. He chose the TARDIS. And I was really close to choosing that myself. For spaceship, he chose the TARDIS. For base, he chose the TARDIS. Um, because that one blue box functions as all three of those so easily. Um, neither of them chose a planet, which it was base or planet, which is totally fine. I did both because I'm an overachiever. Uh, for weapon... He chose the Lament Configuration, which is that Chinese puzzle box from Hellraiser. And that is a terrifying weapon because I'm assuming he would use it. And then Pinhead, uh, was it Chatterer? I'm trying to remember all their names. Would come out and do your bidding, which is terrifying. Um, and then for his avatar, he chose Adam Whitman from Mad Men. Um, I had to look it up because I don't watch a lot of Mad Men. And I realized that, that the actor plays... I don't know if that's his name or if that's the actor was also in uh, can't hardly wait. And he played one of the nerdy guys on there. So that was cool. Um, Stephanie went really across the board and I love it um, for vehicle. She chose the magic school bus um, from the, the children's books for spaceship. She chose a starship enterprise. Good call um, has a holodeck, which is, would be kind of wild to think about you're living in a virtual space and then also have a virtual space within there. It's like VR inception for her weapon, which also could double as a vehicle we discussed would be the Iron Man suit, which again, that was one I really thought about picking um, her planet slash brace base would be Bravos from game of Thrones, which very unique. So the idea of an Iron Man suit swim, uh, flying around Bravos from Game of Thrones um, visually and then climbing into a magic school bus and taking off is just, it's almost too much. And her avatar would be Sa uh, Sergeant Calhoun from Wreck-It Ralph. And she would actually be a cartoon character. Um, but in Oasis, anything goes. It all works out. Um, for Angie... Her vehicle would be the Warthog from Halo. Her spaceship would be the the uh, Serenity class fire or the Firefly class Serenity ship from Firefly slash Serenity. Her weapon would be the BFG from Doom. That is a dangerous whole lot of uh, firepower there. And I love her base T Bone Junction from Borderlands, uh, which was an add-on for the first Borderlands game, which is one of the the best add-ons in the series because it was so huge. Um, so if you guys have a chance to Google any of these, check them out. All very cool. Um, and her avatar would be Gina Carino, the MMA fighter that was in a couple movies, or Agent Carter. Um, I'm surprised she didn't choose Agent Carter right away, but she chose Gina Carino and then decided to change her mind. So I put them both down. I'll let Angie decide later on. Um, let me get to Clint's, uh, his listing. Let me get that loaded up here. I thought I had it, and apparently not. So I'm going to break the show for a few seconds here. Take this time to uh, 
figure out what you would want to have as your gear, and then send me a message. Go ahead. That would be cool, because I'm having a hard time finding my email on my phone. There it is. I have a new phone, too. I've been playing uh, playing with Face Swap. Have you seen that? It's ridiculous. Um, let's see. Personal avatar. I'm going to read it just straight from the email. He's like, this is a little beyond me, as I've never really given this idea any serious thought, but here it goes. For his avatar, a Viking warrior, big, muscular, intimidating, no stupid horned hat, though. For his uh, weapon, he's got to go with a battle axe, but maybe amp it up with some sort of energy pulse component. Make it a short and long-range weapon in one. Spaceship, a recreation of the USS Defiant from Star Trek Deep Space Nine. I've always loved the firepower maneuverability it possesses. Little but dangerous. Planet slash base. I like Wade's base and RPO and might steal the concept from my own. A heavily armored and remote moon. Um, well done. I like it. Um, Clint also cast the film with me, so I believe as far as casts go, I'll have to get a hold of Jeff later on and find out what his is, his cast was, and we'll add that to an episode later. Um, it's just Clint and I have um, actually cast it because of the people that actually read the book. Those are the only two that actually were the only two that put um, put in our thoughts there. And then Jamie, again an overachiever sent me a list of her gear um, and she went really in, in depth uh, she plays a lot of online games like that so I'll, I think her brain is just naturally trained to uh, be a story builder I do believe she plays Dungeons and Dragons and things as well and it's a girl right weird um, so let me get past her review of the book um, she even said her name Zillakia, um, and I've always wondered how she pronounced that. Uh, let's see, her transport, like Angie, this is our first match of the day, would be the Firefly-class transport ship from Serenity. She even put <laughs> the ship insignia would be a Yorgle, a yellow dragon from ad from Adventure. Her avatar would be a dark-skinned Zabrak? Zabrak? Let me look that up real quick and see what that is. I think that's from Star Wars. Yes. Ha, nice. I got a nerd point. It's uh the same type of character uh, as Darth Maul. Um his I don't know if the term breed sounds right. His uh genome. I'm having a hard time figuring out the name. Species. Species. There it is. So that's cool. And I'm glad I, I knew what that was. I feel proud of myself. Um, facial tattoo, long ponytail. Uh, her attire will be simple linen clothes, tight shirt, flowing plants. Think D&D type, monk type clothes. i got to slow down. Weapons and items. D&D 3.5 edition long staff. A big hammer off, as often wielded by, wielded by petite female characters. A sonic screwdriver. Um, tenth Doctor version, of course. Uh, she even has a companion, would be dog meat from Fallout 4, which is a, a German Shepherd. Um, and she said she could give so many alternate options for to my gear, ship, and avatar. Maybe I'll have to try to get Jamie on the show. What do you think, Jamie? You want to be on sometime? Um, and she'd need to add an indigo tribe ring a la Green Lantern. And I'm trying to remember what power indigo 
Indigo Lantern cores. Let's see what their power set is really quick. It would feel um, like a disservice to just say it's a colored ring. One of the seven major groups known as cores of the emotional spectrum. The group has created um, powers and abilities. Indigo tribes. Indigo light of compassion. Okay, and that's a good looking ring too. Gives flight, oral, oral projection. Okay, very cool. That's a very high-powered character. Um, now we'll get to mine. Uh, let me get down there. Mine, I struggled. I had a hard time. Uh, we'll start with my vehicle. This, this is the one I'm most proud of, though. I went all across the board. I originally was going to have the Ninja Turtles van. Um, I almost took... Uh, Jason from Works' idea of George Jetson's car, you know the, you know the little bubble top thing. I thought that was very unique. Um, I thought about a DeLorean. I also almost took the TARDIS for several of my options, but I thought there would be so many TARDISes, TARDI, floating around that they would kind of be everywhere. So I wanted to really go outside the box there. For my vehicle, I chose the Silver Surfer's surfboard. Um, which makes it seem like you would be really open to attack, but it's almost impossible to knock the sur Silver Surfer off the board, so I'm assuming that I would have that ability. Um, it can res absorb energy, um, ammo, so if somebody's shooting rockets at me, I can just use it as a shield and negate any attack. It can even trap people. It can travel through black holes, it can travel through time, but in the world of Oasis, time travel isn't really possible because it's still just a video game. Um, and it would look so cool. Uh, for my ship, I had to go follow my heart here. Even though TARDIS was there, I'm going with the Heart of Gold from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Um, the movie, not the original series or the one described in the book. I thought the ship in the movie was beautiful. The big round orb. Um, the in interior looked great. Um... For my weapon, I chose uh, hold on. I believe I got the name right. Let me uh, let me make sure I got the I'm breaking the podcast yet one more time. I believe it's the ZX-1 from Fifth Element. Yep, the ZX-1. Um, it's got replay shot where you shoot a bullet, hits a bad guy, and every bullet after that will go to that spot. Um, Flamethrower, ice cooling system so you can freeze people, a net launcher, arrow launcher, poison darts, um, a grenade launcher. It's pretty much any kind of gun you can imagine stuck together into one. And it has a Really cool, slick design to it that looks like it would come right out of the Starship Heart of Gold. Um, and it's also available in Borderlands, and I would love to find that gun in Borderlands, but that's for another show. Um, my base, actually we'll go on my planet, I would choose Pandora, but not the Borderlands Pandora. I would choose from the movie Avatar. While I really did not enjoy the movie, 
the planet was beautiful. I liked the, the life on it, the characters, all the creatures, the plants. I loved the bioluminescent touch everything had. So that would be the planet I would be based off of. And in the world of Oasis, anything is a planet, too. I mean, they have an entire planet that's literally just a giant arcade. Um, and my base, that one, too. I originally said the Thundercats base, but it felt like I was reaching too hard to be kind of um, pop culture nerdy. Because while it looked cool, I don't know much about the actual insides of what it can do. So I went with Hogwarts. Um... So yeah, that's all all of our gear, me and my crew. Um, I Again, I would love to hear what you guys have to say, what your thoughts would be. Um, so send those to nerdmode42 at gmail.com. Anybody listening, take a few seconds, let me know what you think. Um, is there anything that you don't agree with, anything you do agree with, um, anything you think should be added? All right, um, so now if you haven't read the book, you might want to stop. Save your place. We are... At the, um, where's my recording screen here? The 30-minute mark. Um, so come back to this point when you get a chance uh, and check out the rest after you've read the book because so good. So I'll give you some time. Okay. So now we can talk about the actual book. Um, I Anybody that's a long-time listener has known, I have gushed about this book for a long time. Um, the way Ernest Klein paints a completely believable dystopian world that feels to me very genuine. It's not like there was like a big nuclear war or something. Um, it just, it's like we stopped caring about the world around us and we got to the point of no return. But on top of that, we did have a retreat that really was just a band-aid for the bigger problems. People were unhappy with the world, how it was going, poverty and everything that they retreated to this free service where you could become any character you wanted. You could have anything you wanted. You had to work for it, but by working for it, you're just basically playing a video game and you were rewarded rewarded for that. Um, like I said, public schools in the real world weren't very great. So people would go to Oasis schools. Kids would go there, um, learn through their avatars, through their, uh, through their screens and then when they're done with that they would go out and adventure the entire virtual universe of millions of different planets um like i said uh james halliday when he designed the oasis created it so anything would be possible basically um you could go to a world that's based all around tron or you could jump to a planet that's just a giant arcade that has literally every video game ever created in there um, stand-up games like that. Um, you could even retreat into text-based adventures, but it'd be a 3D rendering of those. So if you wanted to play Moria, you could jump in. Or Atari's Adventure, which is a big part of the story, you could do that. Um, and I really enjoyed that idea, because after I started reading I was like, oh, what worlds would I want to go to? I'm like, well, I'd want to go to Borderlands. That would be pretty sweet. Portal could have a portal gun you could actually play with that kind of stuff and it would feel real with your oasis rigs haptic gloves um virtual reality goggles things like that would make it totally possible for you to explore these worlds and i'm like i really wish oasis was a true real place um 
But of course, with that, there's a double-edged sword that it would also become, it would mean that the world outside would start to become neglected. Um, and as you guys know, since you are listening to this, that James Halliday created an Easter egg for everyone to find. And whoever found the Easter egg in this seemingly infinitely large uh, virtual space got control of Oasis. We follow a young man named Wade, or Wade Wilson, or not Wade Wilson, um, Wade or Parseval. Uh, he's our main character, or our, our go-to guy for the entire story. Um, one thing I thought was really interesting, um, and I don't know if it was Ernest Cline's intent or if I'm reading too much into it, I thought it was really cool how he created, he felt like he created Wade after himself, like the adventure he would like to have in Oasis. Um, you know, the uh, overcoming seemingly impossible odds, big big companies trying to take over um, something that was didn't need to be changed and they wanted to change it, monetize it, make millions of dollars and eventually destroy what it, what it stood for. Um, it felt to me like he wanted to be Wade. And I think in this case, just about anybody reading would latch on to the Wade character, you know, as a young kid. Um, very dire circumstances in the real world. Real tough time in the virtual space, too. Ha not having money, it was hard for him to level up his character and adventure and things like that. Um, but then you start following a story and realize he's working so hard and investing so much of himself, you know, it's like, it feels like that's what Ernest Klein wanted to be was Wade. But as I myself read the story and experienced it, it felt like he was Halliday because he filled this book with so much pop culture. Reference. I mean, the first two pages mentioned things like, um, dead man's party from Oingo Boingo, um, various art, art, Atari games, the movie Heathers from the mid eighties, things like that. Like all these, um, pop culture references that you don't really think about. And he wove, wove them into this amazing story to the point where when I would, on my second read through, I started trying to highlight all the references so that I could experience them again. I rewatched, uh, Heathers and realized that was a really good movie um, I've always been a fan of like 80s music, so that was pretty easy for me to jump into too. Then also I was like, wow, I feel like a Gunter at this point. I am, this man created this world full of all these references that the characters in that world are getting from Halliday to try to figure out this pattern, to figure out where these Easter eggs and these keys are. And here I'm doing the exact same thing with a little paperback book. I thought that that view really changed how much I enjoyed the book because all of a sudden, like, I would hear a song, I would listen to Rush because there's a big part of the story later on where it's Rush 20, 20 I'm trying to remember the the album. Um, oh, hold on. Got a message from Jeff. Sorry about that. I'm going to trim that bit out. Um, maybe I can get him on the call. Let me turn on my, my 
Skype and stuff, see what he thinks. Um, yeah, I ended up feeling like a gunter. I was spending extra time outside of the book researching things that were mentioned in the book. Like, I kind of want to watch Silver Spoons and uh, um, Lady Hawk. I want to rewatch the movie Lady Hawk, you know? Uh, but that's the world Ernest Klein created was this awesome little pop culture world and that's really what I'm into is pop culture that's what this entire show is about my whole nerd world podcast um, but it would be easy to say oh I wish Oasis existed and then become addicted to it because sometimes the world outside is so dark and scary that you'd want to go someplace where you have more control over what what you see and um what you take in, I guess, what you have to deal with. It'd be much easier to uh, go in and fight a dragon than have to go out and try to get a job, do, nail your job interview and pay bills and things like that. Um, the fantasy world is so much easier to, to handle than the real world, and that's a big part of the actual story. Um, so while I... Like I said, I would love for it to be a real thing. I would worry that that would be detrimental to the actual real world. Um, and I also found it interesting after I read the book and after I really started immersing myself in the world um, that Ernest Klein created, it seems like the outside world, like reality, started to lean towards um, the VR world. Um, like there's a game coming out uh in June called No Man's Sky which uh is like this ridiculously huge um ex place exploration game uh literally that's all you do is go and find planets and it's an online game massively multiplayer online game but it's so large there is i think they said something like 18 trillion planets um that your chances of meeting another player are so remote that you could spend your entire career on that game and never see another person. Which to me is kind of wild. Um, but then they also worry that it would be boring because how many times can you find a new planet and stuff and still enjoy it? But I think I would really have a good time with it. Um, so there's that. Um, virtual reality goggles are becoming very commonplace. Um, I actually own two little cardboard setups that you put a uh, cell phone in and you can load up VR videos on like YouTube and watch them. And the actual the accelerometers in the phone work as your guidance system. So when you turn left, the screen moves left and up and down. Um, not so much backwards and forwards. I think you would need a controller for that. But that technology is becoming not only accessible, but cheap. Um, it might seem expensive. You can get a whole headgear set with headphones and everything for, for your cell phone for a hundred bucks. Like that's, that's crazy. Um, I remember when I was a teenager, so I saved up, uh, paper route money, lunch not lunch money, um, allowance, things like that to buy one that would hook up to like a Sega. 
and the thing was junk. It didn't work. And it weighed like almost three pounds or something like that. It was huge. In my little head, I was a little guy. I was swimming in this headset, you know. It was this, even when I wear it now, it covers up almost my entire face. Super uncomfortable. And for the left and right tracking thing, it couldn't do up and down really. But left and right had this stick that would clip onto your shoulder and it would hit, nestle in a sleeve on the headset. So when I'd turn, the sleeve would bend and it would tell you, you know, tell the system where you're looking and it just never worked. And then for $5 on Amazon, I bought a little cardboard. It almost looks like one of those clicking Viewmasters we had back in the day that you just hold up to your eyes, has two little lenses in it, and it works a hundred times better than that thing ever did. Better than the Virtual Boy from the Nintendo era, if, if you remember that guy. Um, that was supposed to be the next big step in virtual reality, and the thing tanked because everything was black and red and wireframe was horrible. And that was like millions and millions of dollars spent uh, investing in that technology, and I bought a thing for five bucks made out of cardboard. If it wasn't for the plastic lenses, I could have made that on my own. Like it's literally like a cardboard box you hold against your face. Um, and then now they're engineering haptic gloves and haptic vests for gaming. So you put on this vest, and if you get shot in the back, the back will vibrate and the front will vibrate where you got hit, and depending on the intensity of the the strike. It'll vibrate more or less. So I'm sitting here seeing all these things starting to pop up. I'm like, oh my gosh, like Oasis is slowly being built. It might not be as huge as um, in the book, because the book, it's like literally the internet is Oasis. But it's still like rather quickly we're making our way towards that, that virtual space. And I think that's awesome and kind of scary. Um, as long as people can rationalize and not overdo it i i think it would be nothing but awesome uh to to have that to be able to explore these worlds in uh as real as possible um and as far as worlds like i said i'd like to explore i think it'd be really neat to just jump in at random almost like you could on one hand visit um, the Mario Brothers N64 world and jump around. And then right after that, you could go and rewatch WrestleMania from from the referee's perspective, you know? Um, and then they also have a thing where you could explore movies, and basically it's almost like Guitar Hero where you have to hit the notes. You have to say the lines and the motions. As a character in the movie, you could relive any movie. You could go to... From Blade Runner to Star Wars to Spider-Man, I mean, any movie that's been created, you could jump right into it. That's that sounds awesome to me. I don't, I don't know. I I don't think I'd want to know somebody that wouldn't have fun with that. Um, then you can also build your own as well. That's part of Oasis as well. You can create your own worlds. You can create your own levels. Um, like I said, I I love this book. I'm more excited about this book than Star Wars. Like. Um, so those are my, my thoughts about the book. Um, the concerns I have about the movie are more simple. Um, some of the storytelling that they do in the book, like at the very beginning when Percival has to play adventure, um, on James Halliday's virtual version of his computer growing up, visually, I think that would be difficult, um, to portray, um, or when he's playing and it's ridiculously funny 
an awesome and actually reading it, I was nervous for the character when uh, Percival has to fight a Lich King on a joust machine. So he goes through this whole um, whole dungeon siege thing. He has to go through and kill bad guys, find treasure, and f- face the, the evil Lich King. But it's not a, a battle with swords. Like, literally a joust arcade game pops up and they have to play joust. And that's how he gets a key. That's amazing. But it would be really hard to have that transfer over visually. I think it would be lost on some people on what exactly is going on there. Um, and there's a lot of narrative sides to it too I think would be difficult. And my main worry would be licensing. Um where you've got Spider-Man, uh, Doctor Who, Back to the Future, um, DC. All these references are played out in the book that I worry that the owners of those rights would have a real tough time saying, yeah, I'm going to have, I have no problem with a DeLorean and Voltron in the same screen because it's two totally different companies that own those things. That's my main worry. So I think when the movie comes out, they will have to adapt that. I mean, you wouldn't think it'd be a big deal, but I mean, when they remade or made the sequel to Wizard of Oz with um, uh, the newest one that just came out, it's got, uh, I'm trying to think of all the actors in it, drawing a blank, of course, um, James Franco and and them. They couldn't color Emerald City the same color. They had to do a different shade of green because a different studio owned the original um, copyrighted color that they used for Emerald City. And that's just the color green. And it's not like they were doing a remake of a movie just very recently. I mean, Wizard of Oz came out like 50 years ago at least, right? Um, and that's just the color green. Everything else was basically the same, but they had to change the color because they didn't have the right, the rights to it. Like, that's that's my concern. Um and also, I think it's too big of a story to fit in one movie. I know a lot of people get all mad when they take a movie or a book and they split it into two. I would much rather do that than one movie with tons of stuff left out um, and then just rush through. I think this would have to be at least two movies to fit everything. You know, everything else would... They'd have to fast forward through so much and little things would be lost. I mean, you would lose out on so much of, what, of who James Halliday was because people wouldn't understand that when he put out his video talking about the uh, the contest to find the egg, that it took place during a funeral scene from Heather's, you know, um, or that he the entire backstory of him and Ogden Morrow meeting over Dungeons and Dragons. I don't know if they would spend a lot of time on that. It feels like all the the mystique behind James Halliday and his personal life would have to be cut out to make room for. Percival's story and Artemis and everybody like that. Um, those are my main worries. Um, with that being said, I will jump on and I will read what uh, what Jamie put. Um, making great time. I've got a busy day ahead of me, so I'm hopefully it doesn't feel like I'm rushing. Um, let's see. Jamie says, I loved Ready Player One. A beautifully geeky friend of mine recommended it to me a few years ago, and I devoured it quickly after the first few pages sucked me in. This book appeals to me on a few levels. 
She says, as much as I love dystopian stories and settings, I like how this one doesn't pretend that everything is okay. The outlook is actually just crappy. I had the setting of our Earth. It had the setting of our Earth, but in a place that we could easily find ourselves in if we don't change the way we live now. I am a sucker for fiction that doubles as real-world applicable message, even if subtly. And the virtual world is... Is it's this great combination of the Sims and all the MMOs that have ever been, which I totally get behind. I would totally be an addict user of the Oasis. You and me both, Jamie. Let's start a support group. Uh, the Hunt was such a great way to pack oodles of nerdy pop culture references into the story and make it and made this new story almost nostalgic. I totally would have been a gunter. I think I would too, but I don't know if I would invest a lot as much time as Wade does. Um, that's that's me. All this book was was just a lovely homage to geek, nerd, and gamer culture, and I love that it exists, and I really hope the movie does it justice. Um, so that's from Jamie. Let me load up Clint's email real quick. Um, maybe I can convince Clint to be on the show sometime because he is a super nerd. Uh, he has a blog on Tumblr. I believe it's on Tumblr. Guy with a movie blog. Uh, try to look it up. Maybe I'll try to send out a link where he puts massive insight into... Uh, Movies, uh, lots of top five kind of stuff. Um, he did his more in a pros and cons bullet point, uh, uh, bullet point setting. Um, the pros, he loved both the real world and the Oasis settings. The relationship relationships between Wade part, Wade slash Parsifal and H and Artemis are very strong and well developed. Sorry, throat's getting dry. The plot was interesting and immediately drew me in. That's the general thing I've noticed is immediately, just a few pages in and you're in there. It contained enough twists, turns, and suspense to keep me rushing through the pages. All the main characters and major supporting characters were all well-developed. They seemed like real people and not just cardboard cutouts like a lot of young adult fiction. That's the first time I've noticed somebody mentioned that it was young adult fiction. I never felt like it was. Maybe I'll have to get more feedback from Clint. Um... Unless you look at it from a Gunter perspective, that people reading this, young kids, might not understand the uh, all the references and go back and actually research them. Um, the prose wasn't anything spectacular, but it never seemed like Klein was writing down, writing down to his audience like the Maze Runner author did so much. Um, the riddles and quests were very were all very interesting. Riddles in book in a book are difficult to do well, but Klein did it exceptionally well, and he really did um, when he would. When they read off the uh, the riddles on the keys for where the next gate key and gate is, you would you could read it over and over, and not understand it until the characters figure it out. Then all of a sudden, it all makes sense. I think this could have been an even better book in the hands of an adult writer with the capabilities to make a darker, grittier story. This is more of a personal preference, so uh, as it is, RPO is a great young adult novel. Again, I I'm gonna have to get more feedback on that because it didn't feel like a young adult book to me, but that's just me. Um, so, I mean, again, the main point that both Jamie, myself, and Clint are getting at is it doesn't take you long to get hooked on the book, um, because it, it doesn't, it doesn't really delay. It's, I was thinking about if I split it into two movies, I was having a hard time figuring out where the cutoff point would be because the book never really slows down, um, right up until the very last page. When I was reading it, and I was only about 10 pages left, and I realized there was more story coming, and I wasn't done yet. I was nervous. I was like, what? Is this going to be a sequel? And then all of a sudden, it just 
action, 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 drama, 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 end. Like, it just goes from first page to the last page. Um, I'm guessing probably when uh, Sorrento gets a high score, that's about a halfway point. Because there's so much that happens after that point anyways. Um, so, yeah, let's... Uh, Let's jump into our cast. Um, it's being made by Steven Spielberg, and he's cast a few people already, and I'm not against the cast at all. Um, I just chose a slightly different. Um, for Clint, um, he cast like Wade and Parsifal as the same character, and I think that's what they're doing in the movie. I didn't do that. I cast... Wade as one person and Parsifal as one person because they are, one's an avatar and one is actually um, Wade. Uh, and they, they mentioned that in the book. So I, and whenever possible, I actually cast two characters, one for the avatar and one for their real life counterparts. Um, the actual cast so far has Ty Sheridan as Wade Watts or Parsifal. Um, he's, uh, currently, you can see him in the new X-Men movie. He plays young Cyclops. Olivia Cook, uh, Samantha Evelyn Cook, interesting, plays, um, Artemis. Olivia Cook is the actress. She is, uh, in the Bates Motel TV series. And, uh, Ben Mendel Mendelsohn plays Sorrento, and he was in Dark Knight Rises, Killing Him Softly, um, the place beyond the pines, um, and I think he's a really good pick too. Uh, I when I saw him cast a Sorrento, I'm like, "Oh, that is good." Um, and those are the only three so far. Um, like I said, directed by Steven Spielberg, Ernest Klein is actually doing this the screenplay, and of course, he wrote the novel. Um, I want to read. Clint's, well, we'll mix them up. We'll read them together like we normally do if, if uh, he was here with me on the show. Um, let's go with Wade slash Parsifal. He chose Miles Teller could be great, although he's a few years too old, maybe. Um, let me find out. I'm going to do the Googling as I do as I do this. Oh, Miles Teller, uh, he was in Fantastic Four, Project X, uh, Divergent. Um He's a good actor. I think he's in a lot right now. But I'm not against it. He's a good actor. Um, I chose for... For Wade, uh, the actor Gabriel Basso. He was in 8mm. Um, I think he has more of the look that's described as the actual Wade. And for my Parsifal, I went with Ty Sheridan. I think that's a good pick. Normally, I that feels like cheating, but when I look at him, I'm like, yeah, I think that works. So feels like I'm cheating, but it is what it is. I'm the boss. Um, for H, he chose uh, Will Poulter, which I believe I have cast in a at least one other movie. Um, he's in the, uh, Chronicles of Narnia. He was in, or in Maze Runner, We're the Millers. I guess he was in The Revenant as well. He is a really good H. Um, and he's, again, a very good actor. I'm trying to remember what I put him in, though. Can you guys remember what I cast Will Poulter in? No? 
I could look at my book. Nah, I'll 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 do this some other time. Um, for H, I chose the actor Tom Holland. Uh, I'm not super familiar with him. Um, he was in How I Live Now, which is a really good movie. Uh, he has more of that, I don't want to say cocky, self-assured look that the character or the avatar H had. Um, and this is where the spoilers came in, so hopefully nobody is still listening. Um, H and his real-life counterpart are completely different people. Um, and I don't think... I'll have to get back to uh, Clint and see if he cast H's real real person as actually a female. And I chose uh, Gaborny Sigby um, from... Let me uh, make sure I'm pronouncing her name right. Yeah, Gaborny Sidibe. She was in Precious. She was in... Um, the Tower Heist. I don't know if anybody watched that one. She was in American Horror Story Coven. Um, when Ernest Cline was describing the character, that's all I could see was Gaborny Sidibe. Um, so that's why when I, like I said, I wanted to make sure I, if possible, I cast them separately. Um, he cast Helen Harris, and I'm trying to remember who Helen Harris was in the book. Let me look up. He chose Raven Goodwin. Oh, oh my gosh. Duh, Helen Harris is... I overthought that that is H's real counterpart. Sorry, Clint. Um, I was totally overthinking that and jumping from list to email, list to email um, had me a little turned around. I lost a nerd point. Um, I'm not too familiar with who it is. Um, only seen her a couple things, but she's got the looks down. Let me list off a couple uh, things she's known for. Um, Good Luck Charlie, the TV show, Beery Mary Jane, TV show Good Luck Charlie, it's Christmas. Uh, New Girl, she was on there. Glee, 30 Rock, lots of TV. Um, I almost want to say she was... Oh, she she looked like she was in um actress that was in uh what's the School of Rock, but might not be. Um but nope, yep, she she was cast just like uh like I did. So well done. Artemis slash Samantha. Um this is one that I also combined because they do say in the book that she looks a lot like herself. Minus a birthmark. Um, he said, I'm not sure. Emma Watson? I'd like to see you in more stuff as a general rule. Which, I Emma Watson popped in my head for this character too. Um, but I went with Haley Steinfeld, um, who just nailed it in uh, True Grit. Um, I think overall, for me, she fits the bill almost perfectly. Um, but again... I'm in the same boat. I think Emma Watson could be in a lot more movies a lot more often, and I'd be totally fine with that. Um, doesn't look like... Let me double-check. Doesn't look like Clint cast Dato or Shoto. 
Um, so I'll throw those out real quick. For Dado, I chose Daniel Wu, who was in uh, the Badlands. And then for Shoto, King Hong Lee, who was in uh, the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Um, I didn't cast their their counterparts. I'm trying to remember directly if how similar they look to their to their actual avatars. I thought they looked pretty similar. Um, for Sorrento, he chose Ben Foster. Instantly lands evil and menacing field to any character. Tremendous actor as well. Um, ben Foster is a bit younger than I picked, but a really good pick. Um, he's been in a lot. 310 to Yuma, Lone Survivor, Pandorum, uh, The Mechanic. Uh, let's see, he was also in X, X3, although he probably would want you to forget that. He was good in it, but the movie is horrible. Um, he's a really good actor and a really good pick for that. Uh, for me, I went a different side of uh, X-Men. I choke, chose Michael Fassbender because he has just a menacing sense to him as well. Um, for Ogden, Ogden Morrow, one of the creators of Oasis, we both went a different route. Um, he chose John Goodman, so he chose an an aged actor. Um, everybody knows who John Goodman is, so I don't really need to get into it too much. Um, so he chose like the future or current version of Agdemaro. I actually chose a younger actor that, through prosthetics and stuff, could be aged, because I I was very interested in the the past story of Agdemaro and James Halliday. I thought that was a big part of the book, so I chose. Um, Eldon Henson, who is in, uh, uh, most recently in Daredevil. Uh, he was also in The Butterfly Effect. He was in Mockingjay. I guess that's pretty recent. Um, he was also in, uh, Mighty Ducks, if you remember that one. Um, so I figured he fits the bill for the young Ogden Morrow, and then through CGI or most likely uh, practical effects he could be aged to the uh, the elderly Ogden Morrow and then for Halliday he chose which I think is a great pick as well Richard Dreyfus. it would be great for Richard Dreyfus to come out of his retirement um, to do this movie um, but again I think the only disagreement I have would be it would be harder to make them younger than it would be to make a younger actor older if that makes sense um and i guess i couldn't really say he hasn't he's not really been retired he just hasn't been doing big movies um, i'm trying to think the last one he was he was in like weeds and parenthood piranha 3d i think or in red i mean he's done some movies just nothing not a big sci-fi story in a long time um and for me for Halliday, I chose Michael Sarah um, because I imagined um, Halliday as being skinny, um, awkward, shy, and that's really Michael Sarah's deal. But I would want him to take a more less comedic approach to um, to that that character type. Um, I don't think I'd want it to be there's a kid from Juno or Superbad moping around the screen. I would I I think he could really pull in that 
James Halliday personality on a more serious level uh, than he's done in the past. Because a lot of times you see him in a movie and you're like, yeah, that's the Michael Sarah style. Um, I think he could, I think he could nail it. Um, so we'll go over the cast one more time and then I'm going to have to call it a day so I can continue on my, uh, Oh, hold on. Another message from Jeff. Yeah, we had a little miscommunication between Jeff and I last night. Um, about the, getting together on the studio, and it just ended up not happening. I'm kind of bummed. Sorry about that, Jeff. Um, so hopefully... Since he's messaging me now, I can get his cast and his gear. Um, so my my Ready Player One cast is Gabriel Basil as Parzival, Ty Sheridan as Wade. Again, kind of cheating, but oh well. Tom Holland as H. Gaborni Sidibe as H's real-life counterpart, Helen. Haley Steinfeld as both Artemis um, and Samantha. Daniel Wu as Dado. King Hong Lee as Shoto, Michael Fassbender as Sorrento, Michael Sarah as Halliday, and Eldon Henson as Ogden Morrow. And then one more time with Clint's gear, or Clint's cast, is, uh, let me find my email here. Miles Teller as both Wade and Parzival, Will Poulter as H, Raven Goodwin as Helen Harris, Emma Watson probably as Artemis and Samantha, and Ben Foster as Sorrento. John Goodman as Ogden Morrow and Richard Dreyfuss as Holiday. Um, that cast, I would definitely watch the movie with no no problem at all. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I'm gonna go over gear one more time. What? Why not? Well, we're gonna give Jeff a little time here, see if he can get my message in time. Jose's gear of a DeLorean, a Valkyrie from Macross, a mobile spaceship, Great Yamato or SDF one. And then his avatar would be Superman, uh, Wesley, vehicle the TARDIS, spaceship the TARDIS, base the TARDIS, the weapon, the terrifying lament, lament configuration, and his avatar would be Adam Whitman from Mad Men. Stephanie would be, would have the magic school bus, Starship Enterprise, and Iron Man suit, which those three alone visually are amazing. Uh, the Bravos from Game of Thrones, and her avatar would be Sergeant Calhoun from Wreck-It Ralph. So how cool would it be if you're in... <laughs> You're in the Oasis, you see Iron Man or a female version of the Iron Man suit land in front of you, take off the helmet, and there's a cartoon character of Sergeant Calhoun. Um, Angie would choose a Warthog from Halo, a Spaceship from Serenity, uh, the BFG from Doom, T-Bone Junction from Borderlands, and I'm going with Agent Carter from Ava uh, for her avatar. Uh, Clint's gear again, a little bit shorter. I'm going to try and burn through... Jamie's because hers was so huge. Again, Jamie, if you want to be on, let me know. Uh, he would, his uh, spaceship would be a recreation of the USS Defiant from Star Trek. Uh, his planet would be Wade's base. Um, basically, his high-tech base hidden on a, on a remote moon. His weapon would be a energy-based battle axe, long and short range. Um 
I don't think he gave an actual vehicle, which is totally fine. Um, and then I'm going to burn through Jamie's, and Jeff did send me his message, so we can get his stuff on here real quick. Let me uh, read Jamie's really quick. She'd have the Firefly ship um, with a yellow dragon, Yorgul. Uh, her weapon would be a D&D 3.5 edition longstaff. Jamie, I don't know what that means versus a regular longstaff. You're going to have to explain that to me sometime. Because um, I'm just getting back into D&D. Uh, a sonic screwdriver. She would have a companion that would be dog meat. Oh, um, I also decided my onboard computer uh, voice that you would see that Parcival had was like Mad was uh, Max Headroom. Mine would be Tiny Tina from Borderlands because that would be amazing. Um, and then an Indigo Tribe ring uh, a la Green Lantern. All right, now let's get Jeff's cast. Wade would be Devin Bostick. I'm going to look that up real quick. Do, 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 do. Devin Bostick, Diary Whipper Kid, Roderick Rules. Oh, I was kind of looking at that kid too. That would have almost been a match. Um, H would be Carlos Valdez. Let me see. Who was in The Flash. He did say he had a lot of people from um, the CW. Artemis was Chloe Glace Moretz. Um, I thought about her as well, but I don't know if she's quite tall enough. Artemis seemed like a tall character. But she's... I'm giving her a break because I cast her in a lot of movies. So I'm sure she's got one coming up pretty soon that I'm going to have to put her in. Uh, Dato was... Hiroki Hesegawa. Oh, I think I'm spelling that wrong because I'm not finding any anything on... Alright, here he is. Hiroki Hesegawa from oh Attack on Titan. Um, that's probably the big one there. I, 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 I don't know anything about this actor. I'm sorry. Um... I might be saying their names wrong. Sato, Christopher Larkin's... Oh. Yeah, Christopher Larkin. Let me look that one up real quick. Christopher Larkin. Oop, that's the wrong guy. That's an old white dude. Let me check the other name. You can hear my horrible typing. I'm a terrible typist. Christopher Larkin. From the 100. Um, that's like three people that recommended I should check out the 100, and I really struggled. So, sorry. I'm probably not going to watch it anytime soon. Um, uh, Sorrento would be Hugh Laurie. Ooh, that's a good one. It'd be a very similar character to his... Um, his portrayal in uh, Tomorrowland. Ogden would be Seth Seth Rogen, and Halliday would be DJ Qualls. Oh, that's a good one. DJ Qualls would be awesome. 
Oh, Jeff. I kind of want to steal that for... I want to steal that. That's good. Seth Rogen would be good for Ogden Morrow, too. But he always comes off as way too abrasive. But DJ Qualls, uh, he was in um, Road Trip. Um, what else has he been in? Uh, he had a, a one shot in uh, How I Met Your Mother. Or no, Big Bang Theory. I'm sorry. The new guy, Hustle and Flow. Um, trying to think what else he was. Man in High Castle. That's the current one. Uh, Jeff says his main... I, I'm basically going to read off our chat right now so he can be part of this the best we can. He said, sorry I missed the taping. The book is so good. I worry so much about the movie. There's a lot of exposition that takes place, long passages of explaining the puzzles and their setup. That's my main concern. Um, uh, like I had said... I'm sorry. I'm totally breaking the show. It's hard to... Uh, this is where it'd be hard to do a live show. I'd like to do one, but I don't know. I think it would be a lot of dead air. Um, that I, I do feel like a lot would be left out of the story just in favor to make it fit the probably 90-minute runtime. But that's always the struggle when you create... When you have a book transferred into a movie, something there's always going to be a Peeves. Peeves the ghost, you know, they left him out of Harry Potter for whatever reason. Um, that's my concern, too, is there's a lot of backstory to, like, every puzzle and every reference. Um, that it's going to be hard to fit that all together. The same as some of the styles, like, are they going to be able to act out... Um, um, Monty Python search for Holy Grail like they have to do in the book. Um, things like that are going to be very, very tricky to to transfer to a big screen and have people really understand what's going on. Um, but what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to end the show now uh, because it is starting to get late and we got some stuff to do. Um, but I can, when Jeff is ready, I can add in his gear in the post editing and I will stick that in with everything else. Um, sorry about the, uh, the choppiness of this episode. Hopefully it doesn't, it isn't off putting. Um, uh, and I'll add all that, um, after the fact, when I do the actual editing, I'm probably gonna have to re-listen to the whole thing and I'm going to do some editing magic and I'm going to insert Jeff's stuff into the right places in the podcast. So it should come off seamless. So, um, thanks for listening. Um, again, this is Nerd Mode from nerdmode.com, nerd-mode.com. Send me an email at nerdmode42 at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter. I'm starting to get more aggressive with those. I tend to neglect them. Um, and find us on Facebook, both the group and the, the page for the, the podcast. Uh, let me know what you think. Um, if you want to send in the gear you would love to have, the characters you'd love to play as, the worlds you'd love to ad adventure in, um, and just your general thoughts and feelings about the book and the upcoming movie. Uh, as usual, learn something about everything and everything about something.